Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Olivia Vizacro, who is here to speak to us about why saying no is important. Olivia is a lawyer and certified life coach who works with overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed lawyers to help them start living their lives with less stress and more fulfillment. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that is exactly on point to that, how to say no. So welcome, Olivia. It's great to have you on Her Legal Global. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Olivia, I just want to dive right into this subject because I find it one that's really challenging to do. It's really hard, I think, for most of us to say no, especially when we're feeling social pressure or pressure at work. So let's just start with why is saying no important? So for a variety of reasons, the first being it really allows you to be in integrity with yourself. And I think people really underestimate the relationship that they have with themselves. And as we continue over time to perpetually continue to say yes and to people please and to do things that might not be in our own best interest, we really start to erode away at the self-trust that we you know, kind of inherently have. We break that away over time and it erodes. And I think there are some really carcinogenic effects of that, if you will, as far as like self-trust, having your own back, being confident in your own decision-making, you really start to get out of alignment and integrity with what's best for you. So I think saying no to things that don't serve you, it's really important to make sure you either reestablish that trust or continue to uphold it. I think that's such an important point because without self-trust, it's very hard to plan where you're going with your legal career. It's really hard to know if you're on track with it, if you're really in line with what you're really wanting to do. I always ask people, does it energize you? And I think that's a secret to knowing if you're in line with this self-trust. Let's just talk a little bit about what gets in the way of doing this. I know what gets in the way of doing it for me, but tell me some of the things that you've heard from your clients. You know, what's probably true for you is probably true for most people. It's really the fear of repercussions and a ton of guilt. I would say those are the two driving forces, guilt and fear. I like to say, don't let guilt be the reason that you do anything. I don't think it's a good reason for taking action or any particular line of action, but typically that's it. We're, we're really taught to people please. And what that means is that we put other people's perceived needs, their needs as we perceive them above our own. And there's a really beautiful quote from the author Glennon Doyle in her book Untamed, where she's in a conversation with her daughter and her daughter's talking about whether or not she wants to join a particular like extracurricular activity. And she's like, mom, I don't know. I really don't want to do it, but I might just do it anyways because I don't want my older brother to be disappointed. And her mom, Glennon, the author, goes through and she goes, listen, it is your job to disappoint other people if it means not disappointing yourself as often as you have to. And that's such a foreign concept for most people. Most people think like, oh, I above all else, I don't want to disappoint other people. But really learning how to do it more often. And what I find is that it's really an apprehension, not to get too like lawyerly here, but like it's the apprehension or the anticipation that you'll have to feel guilty or that you'll have to feel disappointed. What I typically find is even if you do, those emotions are pretty fleeting, but we're so fearful of feeling them. Anxiety, I like to describe as the fear of feeling another emotion. We're so anxious about feeling guilt or fear from repercussion 
that we just people please and kind of go into that betrayal of ourselves instead. So I think it's operating from those emotions. Yeah, the disappointing is a big one. I think we always put ourselves last. So we'd rather disappoint us and just suck up those emotions that are uncomfortable dealing with the people that we're dealing with rather than saying, okay, I just can't do this. What can we expect if we're able to say no properly? Can we look at a better life? Like, where would we go with this? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a micro decision that you have to keep making. I like to tell my clients, make it as often as you can. Because one of the things that we do is we never do it. So then when we think about doing it, it seems like such a big decision. So if you do it more often, it becomes easier because typically you see that like the world doesn't explode. So you learn that the outcome that you're most afraid of, you know, lawyer brain, worst case scenario, probably doesn't come to fruition. And you start to melt away the the fear or the the worst case scenario, like catastrophic outcome or fear. Can we do it too much though? Can we be saying no too much? Can we go from one extreme to the other as we start to do this? What should we be looking out for? So I like to if we're talking like a process of how to say no, I first like to identify all of the choices that you have. I think we really have a bad habit of speaking in very, or thinking in very strong language. I have to, I can't, I need to. There are like four things that we really need to do. Eat, drink water, sleep, and breathe. They're really, really limited. But we don't talk that way. We talk like, oh, I have to do this for work. I have to do this, I can't do that. I must do this. This really strong language. And I think it's much better to identify like where your choices are, what your options are in any given decision. That being said, once you've done that is to really start to think about what the repercussions are. So I like to say no and like your your reasons for making a specific decision. Know your reasons for saying no. And if you're you're saying no to the point where there's a part of this process that goes into like, what do you think the, the outcome or repercussions will be? I think let's be realistic. If you keep saying no to work at work at a certain point, someone will probably have, you know, a negative opinion on it. It matters for you, not just doing it to exercise the option, but what in a meaningful, thoughtful way. So when we're looking at our choices, we've we've identified that we have these four ones that are really well like needs. How can we drill down into that a bit more about our choices? Let's maybe talk about a scenario. So say for example, you're a younger associate, you're in the in the firm, you have to go and deal with a partner. And we all know that there's an uneven balance of power there. And you're a little worried. So you're not about to really say no, per se, how would you do it? Like, how, how can we go through that scenario? One of the precursors to this, which I think is really important, and I coach my clients on this all the time. I used to hate time management and in part because no one ever teaches us how to do do so effectively. So I didn't have a good handle on it. But part of saying no, like do your homework ahead of time, be prepared, have an organized time blocked calendar, plan your schedule. If you're going to say no to work, be able to have a calendar that backs that up an evidence supported way where you're like, here's what I have this week. I'd love to be able to do this for you. I can't because this is what I already have lined up. Either tell me, and I get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not stupid or silly. I know these are uncomfortable conversations to have, but avoiding the discomfort ahead of time creates problems later. So learning to have uncomfortable conversations to begin with will save you so much over-promising and under-delivering down the road. But being able to have that 
documentation, if you will, to support saying no, I think is really powerful because then you can say, hey, I legitimately cannot do this right now based on my schedule. You can either reprioritize this for me or it's a no. And here's why. So you have a strong why and you're able to support and show your why in that scenario. So we've just talked about time management as one way of dealing with those uncomfortable feelings. Is there any other techniques or any other things that we can bring to the table that can help us when we're about to approach that uncomfortable situation, whether it's personal or business? I like to, so we've identified our choices. Typically there's more than two. So I really like to push people to get creative and look, we really like to just think like, say yes, say no. Okay, so with this scenario that we were just talking about with the partner, Mm -hmm. leaving aside the time management, what would be some of the choices that that particular associate could be facing there? Just saying no outright. Saying (laughs) yes, even though it's probably not, if you truly have a time issue, it's not just like, oh, I don't feel like doing that, which I don't work with anyone that really has that experience. People want to do good work. They're bad at estimating the amount of time that they have and allocating time as a resource. So saying no, sorry, no thanks, no justification, saying no, but providing like a thorough explanation on what their reasoning is, why, from a sincere, candid place, saying yes, doing it and people pleasing, or saying yes and, like yes, I'd like to do this, but I can't do this right now. Yes, I'd like to do this. And here's what's possible for me. And really engaging in a dialogue. I think younger associates, especially, and myself included when I was in Big Law, I was so afraid to have these conversations. And in hindsight, I just look back and I'm like, yeah, perfect case scenario. We all have plenty of time to do all of the work and no one ever needs to have this conversation. But that's really utopian and unlikely. The next best thing, and I just see like a partner's perspective so much more clearly now than I did when I was like in that stress ball moment, is that they just want you to have an honest conversation because with candor and honesty, the situation can be managed. I think we really get in hot water and we put ourselves there if we're the ones not conveying honesty. So what I think I hear you saying is that there should be a certain amount of curiosity that we're bringing to the table when we have these conversations and not going in with a preconceived idea of what the answer will be from the other side, to be actually open to what the other person's concerns or what they may say to you in the conversation that can allow you to respond to them. Definitely, because we do that, right? We like to make assumptions. We like to make predictions based on what we think, you know, is the likely outcome. And we really do it either based on past evidence. We we really like to make the prediction. And then we go to the worst case scenario in our minds of they'll say, no, they'll be mad at me. It'll ruin my career. We do this in personal relationships too. They'll, you know, they'll be upset. They won't want to talk to me anymore. I think this is a perfect time to have this conversation during the holidays, especially with COVID, our communicating preferences like, oh, I don't want to come home for Thanksgiving. I don't want to come home for you know Hanukkah Christmas whatever the case may be and people might get you know feathers might get ruffled but we fear like oh they'll never want to talk to me again that's probably not true there might be a little bit of a kerfluffle if you will but it won't it probably won't be the worst case scenario that your lawyer brains really used to going to 
So what we're really doing is combining a bit of our history of what we might have had a response to in our minds as we go into this conversation, which kind of sets us up. So if we take this steps that we're talking about here, some of the choices that you've identified are really about qualifying that no. It's really about saying no, but, or mm -hmm. yes, but, so that you are able to put some parameters on that. And it goes back to what we originally talked about, which was self-trust. So you can tap into that self-trust by being able to be true to what you really want to do in this circumstance. Correct. So as part of this process, I like to identify the options. From there, know and like your reasons. And what that looks like is, so the model that I have behind my head is the coaching tool that I use. And you can do this on a legal pad, on a scratch sheet of paper, but I really like to do a thought download about saying no. And a thought downloads, just give yourself five minutes and like free write what your thoughts are about saying no in a given situation. So in the C line, you'd put saying no, and then all of your thoughts about it. Every thought that you write down, so let me give examples. They'll be upset with me. It could negatively impact my career. I should just say yes. I should be able to get it done. I hate should thoughts. They lead to a lot of guilt and shame, right? So doing this thought download really helps you find your reasons. So your thoughts and feelings driving the action you make or you take, which would be saying yes or saying no, will show you if you're in integrity and in that self, you know, making decisions from that self-trust. So if you're thinking I should be able to do it all, you'll probably feel guilty and you'll say yes. If you're thinking there might be negative repercussions, I'll, what if I get fired? Lawyers that I work with love to go there, even though it's justified, right? So they're going to feel afraid and they're going to take action from feeling afraid. And like I said earlier, I don't like those to be the reasons that anyone's taking action. So to do a thought download and see if you like your reasons for whatever action you're about to take. If you're so afraid that it's going to negatively impact you, whether or not it's justified or not, that I, I like to bring people back to identifying your choices. You don't have to do it. You're choosing to do it because you want to mitigate the risk. Although that's a little bit of the slight distinction, that reminder of agency actually does really help. Like, oh, I'm choosing this because I'm choosing it out of fear, or I'm choosing this because I'm choosing it out of guilt. And just knowing that rather than feeling helpless or out of control which is how we feel when we make decisions without knowing the thinking and the feelings that are driving that action. So, so how do we get back from that? So say I'm, I'm going into that conversation with that partner. I've got a huge fear. I'm a first year associate. I'm really worried about being fired. And I just don't have the strength at this particular point to be able to say no. So I'm going to go ahead, but I've identified it. How can I get back to that space where I'm actually more really true to myself? by going through what we talked about earlier? Or is there some emotional thing that I can tap into? There's an emotional thing too. So with the thought download exercise that I just walked through and going through like the thoughts that cause the feelings that drive the action, reverse engineer that. So start with the action, right? Start with, if you want to say no, that's the action that you want to take, which would be the result of like saying no. Ask yourself, how do I need to feel in order to say that? Maybe it's competent. Maybe it's, trusting, like self-trusting, something along those lines. Positive thoughts will drive positive feelings, will drive positive action. Negative thoughts will drive negative feelings, which will drive negative action. So you want to find a positive feeling that you would need to feel in order to say no. 
love. I've got a question about that. So if I, I can see getting to the point where you just don't care anymore, you're overworked, you've had it, this is not for you, and you really are not going to be sticking around. So you get to the point where you don't care. So if you say no, based on that kind of feeling, what's the whole process there for you? Yeah, so the feeling there would probably be apathetic, right? Or angry. Yeah, or angry. I agree with that. Or un- undervalued, unappreciated, right? Those are all variants of negative emotions, probably to different degrees. I don't like that being a reason to take action either. Although I certainly work with a lot of people and I myself remember being in that space where you're in that negative emotion and either you have reached a point where maybe, maybe realistically, maybe not, you feel as though you just absolutely can't do more because of the overwhelm and it kind of leads to a little bit of like work paralysis. What I like to do is get to a clean space between your thinking and your feeling. So what positive emotion would you need to have, need to feel in order to say no in a clean way? And that might look, I like love here a lot. Love, trust, confident, right? So confident might be the chances of anything negative happening are, are basically nil, right? That might make you feel confident in your decision. Trusting might be, I know this is what's best for me and for everyone else. Because when we people please, we tend to overpromise and underdeliver and really set everyone else up for more disappointment and more failure. So it might be the most honest, kindest thing you can do is just to convey your capacity and say no. So, so how does love come into that? Love might be, so I would, I would say the thought, I'm kind of speaking from like my own personal experience here. Love might be, I always have my own back. It's a beautiful thought to think. It sure is. So if you think the thought, I always have my own back, and that makes you feel loving towards yourself, then you say no with love. It's like I, my, one of my coaches has a saying, and it, it always just struck me as being like so profound. And I think you can use this both with work. I thought about it before our conversation today about how this applies to your job just as much as it can apply to personal relationships. And it's the phrase, I love you and no. Oh, beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. I do too. I think it's really powerful because it doesn't use the word, but it's not, I love you, but no, those two things don't have to be at odds with one another, which I think is really that a fear of disappointing someone else versus fear of disappointing, you know, unwillingness to disappoint yourself is that there's a dichotomy. And if you say no, then you aren't doing it from love. And I think, I think that's just a false narrative. Definitely makes it very powerful. So now that we've gone through the circumstances, the thoughts and the feelings, the next one is what? The next one is to decide because we love to sit in indecision about things. So no one like your reasons and then decide. I like to tell people there are no wrong reasons at the end of the day. Whatever you choose, don't judge it. Pick it and move on rather than like getting into a shame spiral around it. That being said, if you decide to move forward and say no, there's cognitive dissonance, right? So there's going to be like the good angel and the, I like birds, but like the good bird and the bad bird or the good angel and the bad angel and the devil where you have a conversation. This is the right thing to do for me. No, it's not. It's a terrible idea. Don't do it. And like you go back and forth in that dissonance, there's competitive chatter. I like to tell people, expect that chatter to be there. You're doing something that's going to feel a little scary. That's your brain's way of protecting you, even if it doesn't actually protect you in the long run because you overcommit and take on too much or do things that you just don't want to do. 
especially if it's in a personal situation. So expect that chatter to be there. And then this is really powerful. This has probably been some of like the most revolutionary stuff that I've done in my own self-coaching practice and the stuff that I work on my clients with. Allow the negative emotion to be there. Expect you're going to feel guilty or a little afraid. And I, I like to use the phrase gag and go. Like gag and go and say no. I guess we'll add, add on not to rhyme, but it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. That's How long a- do we do that? How long do we take to do that process right there? So I think it depends on the situation on how long it lasts, but I like to acknowledge it. Deep breath, like, oh, this is going to feel a little, you know, ooh, vomit. And like, we're all human. Sometimes I know what embarrassed feels like. I know what anxious or nervous feels like. It's like that hole in the pit of your stomach. You're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But it gives me the result that I want in the end. So it's worth it. Our entitlement to feeling comfortable all the time really puts us in a position where we're constantly people pleasing because we're always avoiding just that next discomfort, the one that's in the closest proximity. And we make decisions in a very reactionary manner because of that. So, I mean, don't dwell in it. Typically when you allow it, when you acknowledge it and gag and go, it dissipates pretty quickly. So we're up to the actions. What would we do now? Then you honor your decision. So you decide, then you gag and go and you do it and that allow the negative emotion and then honor it. Because what's going to happen as you identify that like, oh, I'm feeling guilty right now and guilty feels awful or, oh, I'm feeling afraid of like, I said no. Now, like the waiting period happens. You kind of wait for the other shoe to drop, whatever the case may be. So you honor your decision. And that means not changing your mind, not flip-flopping, not deciding and then being like, oh no, but I can like do a little bit or, oh, oh no, like I just, I've changed my mind. I really have the time to do it. Or, oh no, it's okay. I'll really like come for the holidays because I don't want you to be mad at me. Whatever the case may be, you just honor your decision. And even if that's uncomfortable too, again, it creates the result that you want. So not going back on what you've already decided. Another really big part here is to trust other people. People that people please aren't trusting of others. They don't trust other people to be able to handle themselves and their own emotional experience with like receiving the no. And- I can see how if you've had a bad experience, so that would be a bit bit of a hard sell for some people. You've done this kind of process and at least gone to the no part and you've had a pretty bad reaction. So I think it's hard then to approach it again and be curious, be open and not make those assumptions. So how do we get ourselves gathered in back to our self-trust and moving forward in a situation like that? Let's talk about the holidays are coming up. There's often a lot of pressure for people to go to relatives and they have said no in the past and it's resulted in all kinds of stuff flying in the air and it's not been pretty. So how do we go forward? At a certain point, you have to decide. You have to decide what kind of life you want to live. And if it's the one where you put other people's emotional experiences before your own, then like that's your choice you get to make. I I don't recommend it. They can't be happy for you. They might be happy for themselves, but they cannot be happy for you in your place. So you can do things for their happiness, but that doesn't mean that you'll be happy. There's a lot of dishonesty in these situations where like you're constantly doing things out of this sense of obligation or Mm -hmm. this guilt that you're trying to avoid. Like if that's the reason that you like for doing it, then that's fine. But the problem is that 
if you do it once, then you, it's easier to do it again. And you just keep micro lying to the people close to you about what you want to do. And you don't show up. You probably show up really resentful. So you're not setting your boundaries. So when we're doing this process, do we justify why we're saying no? No, I'm not coming to the, you know, no, and I love you. But do we get anything else in that sentence? Or do we just say no? Yeah, I think it depends, right? Because what we try and do there is we try and offer an explanation because we're trying to control how someone else feels. They're going to think whatever they want. And we're really taught that our actions cause other people's emotional experiences. If anyone who's ever tried to cheer someone up to no effect or to no avail, you know that like your best intentions don't cause someone else's feelings because their brain gets to intervene and serve them up thoughts whether they're in alignment with, you know, the result that you're trying to create. So your actions would be a circumstance. They get to have thoughts about them and their thoughts cause their feelings. So you decide, do I want to make other people happy over myself? And if your answer is yes, then you can go on being a people pleaser. I think there's a scale that eventually tips for a lot of people. That was true for me. I reached a point where I was like, I've tried it the way that you're told that you're supposed to do this, which is to put other people's, you know, needs, wants, desires over your own. And I was really unhappy. And it's like, well, now what? If you're just going to keep people pleasing and permanent, perpetual unhappiness and sacrifice, no thanks. So it's uncomfortable at first, but it gets easier to start saying yes to yourself and start saying no to other people. And the benefit that you have when you withstand the guilt and the fear for a little bit, you get the life you want. Like there's this huge reward and payoff that quickly, you know, supersedes the negative emotion. You stop doing stuff that you hate doing. You start doing stuff that you like doing. You start spending your time the way that you want to spend your time with the people you want to spend it with. Doing work that either you're passionate about or that you have time for and taking better care of yourself. It feels good to like not pull all-nighters and and sleep or to spend your off time how you want to spend your off time. So just tying it back to what we were talking about before when we started the process, it was a bit about when you approach the person, you have a justification. Like you're basically saying with your time management and you've just tied a bit into what you just said about how we sometimes have a reason for saying no. So is there anything else like on a personal scale that we can use when we say no that would help us get through the uncomfortable feelings and also make us feel confident in our self-trust? Is there any other method that we could use here? Yeah, I'm going to go back to it's just the same parallel as with the work situation. Be candid. You don't have to be mean, but like be candid. I think people decide to say no, but then they're like, let's come up with all of these really inventive excuses that sound better. And it's like, let's not lie. I get that it's uncomfortable for you, But like, what if you just became the person that could say no and explain your honest preference? Let everyone else decide what they do with that. Really having, I just think truth is the antidote to shame, in my opinion. Having really honest conversations with people that are close to you, if they love you, they'll understand. They'll want you to be happy. I coach myself all the time. I have a belief that people always are coaching themselves on their mothers. There are things that we'll argue about just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I don't have to, you know, coach my own brain. But Getting to a point, we got into a huge fight about a cherry pie. It's a big joke between her and I now. But I thought she shouldn't have bought it because I was really watching what I was eating and I was spending time there throughout the summer. And I got my emotions about like, oh, that's disrespectful. She's not, you know, respecting my boundaries or what I'm trying to accomplish right now with weight loss. And I had to coach myself on it. It took me a little bit of time. 
the honest truth is she really wanted the pie. She like sugars her thing. I've had my own vices, sugars hers. Like who am I to say that she should feel deprived because of me? Like at the end of the day, I don't want, if she wants the pie, eat the pie. I know that seems like a silly example, but those are the little examples that make up our life. The people that love you, like they'll get over it because they love you. Being in fear, love and fear don't exist in the same place. And is there any other steps that you would add? No, I think really, you know, falling into allowing yourself to be uncomfortable and trusting other people and letting them be, this is the last step I'll add. If people don't react well, let that be okay. Let other people have their emotional response and let it be okay. Thank you very much, Olivia. This has been very enlightening. How can people get a hold of you and learn more about your coaching services? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Faye. I really enjoyed this discussion. I think it's super timely. I'm glad we got to have this chat. People can reach me at thelessstresslawyer.com or on LinkedIn. All of my original content starts there. Uh, you can find me at Olivia Zacro. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.